Hi everyone, welcome to Totally Dissolved, where we discuss all things coffee through the lens of education. I'm Kathy Hilberg. And I'm Bronwyn Serna. With the help of subject matter experts, we explore different facets of specialty coffee to educate ourselves and you. Thanks for joining us on our journey in an education in caffeination. Bronwyn! Kathy! <laughs> How are you? I'm so tired, but also extremely caffeinated. Why are at the you same so time. tired? Because I just got up from a nap. Oh, and Quick I nap. Quick nap. Groggy. Yeah. But I've also had an extreme amount of coffee today. Nice. So I had the tasting flight at Dayglo. Some of their, it was Barista's Choice, and I think they gave me their Columbia, which was extremely delicious as a filter coffee, nice. as a cortado, and as an espresso. Beautiful. Yeah. I think more cafes should do that. That's like something new on their menu. So yeah. if you're in and around a Dayglo in L.A., Highly recommend that. That's very cool. Yeah. It does sound like a lot of work for like a high-paced cafe, but um, I love that. Yeah. And what else? I also made coffee at home, obviously. And obviously. obviously. I never make coffee at home. <laughs> when I first get up. And then I went to go visit a few cafes in and around the area. So I also had coffee at each of those cafes, which I did not visit um, and drink an entire cup. I just, like, drank half the cup, so, you know. What areas were your cafes in? Uh, I visited Intelli Pasadena Mm -hmm. and um, Bagel and Slice in Highland Park, so. Yes. I also visited some accounts today. I was in Malibu. Ooh, West Side. Venice, yeah. The West Side day of it. Love the West Side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't make coffee when I first get up. That is not something that I do ever. Really? Yeah. Uh, who has time for that when you're going to coffee? That's true. Like I'm that is true. Going if that is your first thing, then where yes. Where coffee is. That's my first thing five times a week. That's true. Especially <laughs> if it's early enough. So. I mean, it's not. It's like nine. Still, that's that's early. Maybe ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's coffee time. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not the sort of person who's like, not until I've had my coffee. I can function a whole day without coffee. I didn't have coffee all day Sunday. Wow. Yeah, I just got busy, and then I was like, oh, it's four o'clock. It's too late for coffee. <laughs> True. And Deep. here we are at five thirty-six p.m. And we're and having I am coffee, drinking coffee. So. Yes. Speaking of, what's in our cup, Kathy? Hey, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> um, let me tell you about it. It's going to probably be loud because it's in a tin. Nope, I was quiet. Great job. We can shake it up, though. It's a very pretty tin. It's very pretty. So our friend Tara, who was on this podcast, if you haven't listened, go listen. It's fantastic. Um, I don't know how much she mentioned Provision because that's not her main thing, um, but she does work with Provision, who her partner is the owner of um and they're located in arizona so they have two cafes i think um but yeah this coffee is from provision and it's mapenda women dr congo so it's from the democratic republic of congo and it has tasting notes of pear lime rooibos tea um and it's washed 
comes in a beautiful tin of like deserty colors. Yes. I definitely will be keeping this tin once I'm finished yes. with this coffee. Um, yeah. And I have one that's Guatemalan. Yeah. Yeah. Tins are so hot right now. Tins, so hot right now. Yeah. I don't mind it. Me neither. I like it. it. Yeah. This is actually, this is really delicious. I haven't had a Congo coffee in a while. Mm -hmm. Definitely heavier bodied than, um, than what the descriptors would, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But you can taste that. Yeah. You can taste all of it. Um, it smells different than it tastes too. I feel like that's rare. Like the nose is almost kind of spicy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. an Indonesian coffee, but it doesn't yeah. taste like an Indo at all. No, it, not at all. Sweeter. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The hibiscus good. flavor or the hibiscus notes definitely come through. Mm. Bo show. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Tara, for yes. the gift of coffee. Um, and probably be tasting that Colombian soon too yes if you're willing to share Brahman. yes guatemalan yes oh guatemalan yes of Sorry. course i can't drink an entire tin by myself <laughs> i mean i could it would just take a real long time so yeah fair enough me too i have another coffee for us to try that i got in texas and we can try that one after so many coffees i know um although we're running out of episodes maybe we'll have to do a twofer next week yes um because Lord knows Expo is going to provide us with a plethora of bean. I can't wait. <laughs> Does anyone else find it really amusing um, when people refer to coffee as the bean? I think it's funny. It, it is kind of funny. Like when I used to read job applications at my last job, um, I got to interview people and a lot of people would put in their cover letters. Like, I just love what you guys do with the bean. And I just thought it was so funny. Uh, as a way to describe, like, I love what you guys do with coffees. Like, you roast them good or whatever. It was just like, I love what you do with the bean. Um, so, yeah, I find it to be a very funny way of describing coffee, especially because they're not beans. Not to be pretentious about it, but, you know. It, it is a seed. I also kind of find it funny that it's referred to as joe a cup of joe yeah that's a funny one a lot of them make sense i mean i'm sure there's like some historical point that it makes sense to call it joe that i'm unaware of um but a lot of them make sense right like java yes we've got the island of java that provides lots of coffee um we've got mochas we have the island of mocha it all kind of comes back together that way but yeah, cup of Joe. That's it's very one. westernized. Oh yeah, that's true. Like which a, I think is very amusing. I just find it very amusing. Sounds like an old timey American thing for sure. Yes, cup of Joe. Speaking of which, continuing our cup of coffee discussion, who's a, Can you describe what we're going to talk about today? In preparation for Expo. I don't know what that has to do with the phrase Cup of Joe at all. I love this transition. (laughs) Um, But we are talking to the wonderful Veronica Pearl about competition and Glitter Cat specifically uh, as she is the founder. Founder. I was going to say mother. That sounds good too. Yes, the mother. Yes. (laughs) The lead cat in charge. Um, Yeah. So... uh, competitions coming round 
yes. very soon. And Veronica is competing. So I can't wait to hear about that and more about Glitter Cat. There was, you know, a hiatus with competitions. And so I'd love to hear more about how that looked for Glitter Cat too. So stay tuned. Hi, Veronica. Hello. Welcome. Hello. We're injecting some glitter into our podcast today. (laughs) It's so nice. See your lovely smiling face. How's it going? A little bit of sparkle. Uh, It's going well. It's going really well. Um, I I like that you started with adding some glitter. I definitely need a little bit of sparkles in my, my brain right now. Well, hopefully we can all share a little. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> so will you tell everybody who you are, what you're about? Hello, uh, I am Veronica Pearl. I use she, her pronouns. I am a queer trans woman and I'm the founder and chief glitter officer of Glitter Cat Barista. Uh, I am also the... 2018 United States Barista Champion runner-up <laughs> and uh, the mother of uh, just one fabulous little cat now whose name is Other, uh, lovingly named Other Cat. And, <laughs> Love it. Uh, surviving the, the most fabulous and wonderful Axel Cat. Oh, Axel Cat. I know. Um, amazing. Uh, so one other question before we jump in to the reason we have you here to learn more about Glitter Cat. Um, the important question we ask everyone is what is in your cup? So like a proper queer, I have three cups. Of course. I have uh, um, water because she's hydrating. Uh, I have Chinese herbs because she's recovering from COVID. And I have a glass of wine because it's day seven of COVID recovery. And I figured wine is not. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. What kind of wine are we drinking? Uh, we're drinking Sauvignon Blanc that's been open for like 10 days. And you know what? She's acidic. She's minerally. She's stale. And it's what's working for me right now. <laughs> Waste not, want not. Gotta exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Nice. Um, So let's get to the topic at hand. I have been wanting to have you on this podcast for quite some time now. And so thank you so much for for being on. And I think now is such a great time considering, one, it's right before competition, or it's in the midst of competition season. And we're going to talk about competition a little bit. But for now, um, I've always been a fan of Glitter Cat. So can you start off by talking the how, what, why of Glitter Cat, specialty coffee, and how it came to be? Just because, particularly in our industry, there has been, you know, there's a lot of discussion about wanting to be inclusive, but also in our industry, there's a lot of demarcation, so to speak. And Glitter Cat is such a great solution to help provide support and resources to so many people that need it. Um, So can you talk about that first? 
Of course. And it is such a pleasure to be here speaking with the two of you. The the pleasure is definitely mine being on this this podcast with y'all today. Um, so Glitter Cat started in 2018 and um, it's a nonprofit that and to kind of give our mission now, I'm going to kind of tell a little bit of like how it started. So after I took second in the United States Barista Championship, I personally was very different. Um, and I think, you know, how many of us were the same as we were, you know, five years ago. Um, but for me, I identified as and presented as a, as a white gay male. And I looked around and I saw people on those competition stages that looked like me, uh, maybe identified like me. I was just a little bit more like colorful and fabulous and had the colorful pants mm -hmm. that um, I still get people saying like, I remember your pants from like 2014. They were amazing. <laughs> um, and so I saw a lot of sameness on those stages. I think we, like we all did. This wasn't something that just I noticed. Mm -hmm. And I was on the train from Seattle to Portland holding this like second place trophy and I just had the thought that I wanted to try and win the United States Barista Championships again the next year. I wanted to compete one more time and I also didn't feel comfortable competing again if I wasn't doing anything to help start seeing changes that many of us were talking about. So seeing more representation on those competition stages. Um, and I was talking to a dear friend about it that later that weekend. And we were actually out for dinner for my birthday. It was like two days after competition. It was my birthday. Um, fun fact about Expo, it's usually around my birthday. So it's kind of always like everyone comes together to celebrate like this little tourist. It's really of cute. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just wish I would have won. So I would have had a bigger platform to, to use. Like I just, that's to, to, to start creating change. And my friend looked at me and said, Veronica, you can be a champion. There's only one winner every year, but what you do with this platform that you now have is the champion that you get to be. And that really stuck with me. And it's something I tell all of the Glitter Cats and it's what started this program, which is started as a United States Barista Championship competition training program for the specialty coffee association competitions very specific mission and uh, it's all expenses paid we fly in all of the people who are selected to get world-class training from united states and world barista champions and we saw a lot of success that year from this group of 10 glitter cats that all flew to this cafe in philadelphia we had three black eagles installed in like a small cafe. It was wild. Um, so cozy, the coziest, the coziest <laughs> competition training you can ever have. Um, and then from, from there, from that first year of just seeing the community and the belonging and the validity that these 10 glitter cats felt and this camaraderie that they had with like literal champions and champions treating them like they're equals and this really kind of like microcosm of, of an environment that that developed 
Glittercat grew into being a competition training program for four out of the six United States Coffee Championships. Um, and it was there where we really started to find our groove in like, okay, we'll have the champ, the reigning champion always come back as an instructor. And then we'll have previous glitter cats who have qualified for nationals or maybe made finals come back as instructors and try to create these, these cycles and circles of education of empowerment. Mm -hmm. And what's been really fun over the last three years is glitter cat has really shifted and changed uh, based on listening to our community and pivoting when we needed to. Like when the pandemic hit, we decided not to stop our programming and shift to digital competitions um, because we learned that first and foremost, Glittercat is about making and taking up spaces and building community and being a resource center where in spaces where like you might not know where to go, but you know that you have this group of people that you can you can rely on and you can ask questions to and you can reach out to. Um, and so that's kind of where glitter cat started and then this year we relaunched the competition training programs um, almost a third of the national qualifiers for brewers cup this year have been a part of glitter cat in some way amazing it's just oh my goodness seeing those numbers and just like from across like four different years it's wild it, it, it was just so special to see um, and then we launched our newest program which is an hr certification training program um which is like has been like kind of outside of our lane but it's something that was been in development over the last three years and it's a project that i'm really excited about and i'm excited to see kind of where it can grow in the industry so cool um how's the hr thing going i've saw that and i thought that was so cool i feel like that's something that the coffee industry needs more of is people in HR, HR departments, period. Um, because lots of people, it's just like somebody random who takes care of that stuff who has like no actual HR training. So that's really cool. How's it, how's it going so far? Yeah, it's so interesting you like kind of introduce it like that because in the first class, which was last week um, for this cohort, um, in the first class, the instructor goes, most of us that have HR roles just kind of fell into it. We were like in accounting and they said, hey, here's an, can you be HR as well? And I was like, that is the coffee industry if I've ever seen it. Because they're sure. so qualified, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know how to do math, you can do HR. <laughs> but I think like that oftentimes is like, you know, business owners, managers, every, everyone's dealing with budgets. Everyone's dealing with the amount of education that we have. And um, so many businesses in coffee are, 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 are small, right? Like we're not operating with these huge budgets. And I think owners open with the best of intentions and then we need to grow and listen. And what I'm hoping is that this HR program can be a resource for owners, managers, trainers, baristas, to empower and educate. And so it just, we just launched the, we just launched the program last week. Mm -hmm. um, there's 12 Glitter Cat HR trainees that are taking a 10 week certification program. And um, they, at the end of this 10 week class, 
they take a pretty extensive exam. It's like 150 questions spanning like a wide breadth of knowledge to from basically to be HR generalists. And then all of them will work together for an eight week paid internship to create universal human resources documents that will be available to coffee businesses, most likely on a sliding scale um, that we would be able to work. We as in Glittercat would be able to work with those organizations to help guide handbook and like handbook writing policies, procedures, help like standardize promotion hiring as much as possible. Like within any organization, um, you're going to have subjective reasoning that that sprinkles in. Um, but if we can make cafe spaces safer for marginalized coffee workers, marginalized guests, and standardize some of these ideas and use them as building blocks, uh, and also inject kind of a more of a conversation around the needs of having certified HR professionals um, at your company. And so while like the program won't directly result in job placements, we hope it'll directly, we hope it'll directly relate to continued conversations that could eventually kind of grow into more consistent job openings in HR and kind of starting to be a part of that change now and see where it can grow beyond the impacts of this program itself. Yeah. Wow. So cool. I love it. Yeah. I love how that it's, it's starting a groundwork for, like, like you said, it's a resource for smaller businesses, particularly, you know, especially in the specialty coffee industry, having that more standardized and also giving small business owners the opportunity to have somebody that is actually qualified, you know, and just have, like like you said, a resource where there wasn't before for, the, yeah, just to expand the language of HR and make it not so foreign to a lot of small business owners. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like I, so I, t I actually started the HR class last year uh, and I had to drop out. <laughs> I was like overwhelmed by like all the information and I was like, do you know what? I don't think I'm the right person to hold this information, but maybe I'm the right person to organize a program, well, to help organize a program for people who can hold this information mm -hmm. and make impacts. And that was um, a really complicated space for me to be as someone who likes to like learn everything and know as much as I can and excel in what I do and to like actively have to drop out of a class because I just it it it, it wasn't the right time I not the potentially not even the right person to like to do that but I do know where my strengths are and that's in organizing events and getting people together around like a collective interest and idea and um because I didn't, I didn't personally create the HR program. Right. That was created by um, the the initial idea was actually by a glitter cat legend, Bud Taliaferro and Eric Grimm, who was Glittercat's um, director of positive outcomes for the last few years. And they were the ones who piloted, like, started the project, piloted it, got it to a place where then I was able to kind of morph it into the final program that that it is. So it's, it's been a lot of hands that have 
that have gotten us to, to where we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's such a great example of why, um, like owners shouldn't have to do everything too. Like they shouldn't have to be the own, their own HR department is because not everybody is made to learn and like do something valuable and positive with that information or, you know, like as an owner, it's hard to be like unbiased. And so I think like your perspective of like, I wanted to know this and it just, what I'm maybe not the right person for it. And like, you don't have to be either as an owner. So here you go. So that's cool. Period. 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 (laughs) It's great to be able to, to share some hard information with someone when you have some experience with it. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, speaking of hard conversations, I guess this kind of transitions to the next question, but, um, it's, you know, difficult to have conversations surrounding inclusivity because it can be uncomfortable for people at times. Can you discuss your experience in the coffee industry, what challenges you faced and how things have progressed and changed since you started? Um, and, and maybe how, um, some of these difficult conversations that we've had have um, changed um, over the years too. Yeah, so uh, I think the my like best way to answer that question is with like a really clear example of when I had to be guided by the coffee industry. I had to be like guided through kind of a, not necessarily a misstep, but like a, a light was, I guess, shown in my eye um, of, of, of that. And so I think like when Glitter Cat was started, we started under the, like, the premise that like we are hoping to change what the face of the average barista competitor looks like. We want to see more diversity. We want to see more people of color, more queer people, more women, more gender non-conforming or divergent and, and disabled competitors. Mm-hmm. And our first cohort had representation from a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. And uh, there was a photo, we, we were able to take all of the glitter cats to um, to Colombia like that first year, and which was really really special. It was just like one of my most fabulous, like incredible memories ever was was being at Origin with these these cats, and there were um, two. Well, there were three glitter cats that couldn't make it on that trip. So there's this photo that was taken of of the group of this preached diverse group of people where there was only one visible person of color in the photo and there was 11 people where only one of them was visibly a person of color where the two of the people who couldn't come one is a native american the other was the only black competitor that we had in the cohort that year and so preaching, we're a program for diversity and then seeing a bunch of whiteness, mm-hmm. even though there was queerness and there were disabled glitter cats and there were like a lot more to the background and the stories to all of these, these trainees. It, it, 
I was grateful to a colleague who reached out to me. I was like, hey, if this is a program that you want to run, and if this is this like the change you want to impact, I think you should take a look at what this looks like and what this is. And it started a lot more, it started more conversations around how can we make the glitter cat space more equitable versus just like represented, like just representative. And, and, and it's something that we've held with us from that first year until now. And knowing that the intentionality that we put behind all of our decisions and, and how you promote, how you talk about a program, who it is you reach out to, to help share the program, who you hire on as consultants, who you present in, you know, testimonials, all of that has, has kind of say on who thinks that they can be a part of your program. Mm, yeah. And so at the end of our first year, most people thought that we were just like the gay training program. Like that's <laughs> for the, the queer people. And we're like, no, we're not just for queer people. And it's taken us a few years to kind of shift out, like back into like what we, to, to have kind of like the general, I don't want to say like acceptance because it's not acceptance, but kind of like that mindset be like, oh, Glitter Cat's not just for queer people. It's for like, it's for a lot more people than just that and actually in the hr program it's the least queer group we've ever had um and it's also the most um it's the most colorful it's the like where we see a, just a bunch of different people coming from different backgrounds and that's taken a lot of intentional thought and internal dialogue within the like glitter cat itself and like within myself of how can i run a program that is really like meeting needs of the community and how do I constantly check myself and my privilege and how am I talking about this program and these stories and, and engaging with that information with kind of the, the community at large because I get asked to speak on like diversity, equity, and inclusion a lot. And like, I'm not a DEI educator. I am not certified in this. I didn't take classes. I am like, I am just like everybody else. I just, yeah, I'm just like everybody else. And I, <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am you, like really like hyper-focused on trying to make this program reach as many communities as possible and really listening to like where we're falling short and where we need to pivot and i rely so much um listening to those to people around me and doing research my own research and, and that's kind of like my biggest recommendation to anyone is like talk to actual dei educators do your own research and listen listen and be willing to be like i fucked up or maybe you didn't like totally fuck up. Maybe you were just like, oh, what you just showed me, this photo is actually completely in contrast with what your mission is. 
So now what do you need to do? What did I need to do? What work did I have to put in to shift that vision, to, to change that for years to come? And that change isn't linear. It is, it is constant. It is, it's, you've got to keep doing it. You can't just do it once and be like, okay, we, we fixed the problem, y'all. Um, There's always going to be new problems, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's having those constant difficult conversations with yourself, most of all. Yeah. I don't know if that necessarily fully answered your question, but I think like that's my best like per kind of perspective on the lens that like I look through in the coffee industry is when we want to see change, when we want to impact change, when we see an issue, it's where are you sitting in that space? What are you contributing to that space? How are you contributing to both the issue that you want to fix and how are you contributing to the solution? And then where do those intersect and where do you go from there? Totally. I feel like I'm thinking back to um, Mo's episode where she was talking about being a, a woman roaster and not seeing a lot of other women in the roasting space and how she's somebody who um, will just sort of be like, Who's in here? No one that looks like me? Great. Well, I'm going to walk into the room. And I feel like um, you've kind of done that. And and then even looked around to see, like, okay, like, who else isn't in here? And tried to create a space for those people to find a way into the room also. So I just want to say thank you for that and really commend you for that. And beginning those – and beginning that movement to an extent or continuing that that creation of these spaces to be more diverse, inclusive, mm -hmm. and equitable, um, and trying to rework the system so that it does eventually get to that point, hopefully, you know? Yeah. 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 No, thank you. It's, it, it is, you know, definitely Glitter Cat's a part of it, along with so many other people and organizations. And so at the one of the u.s coffee championship qualifiers we had well there were two there was one in baltimore one in denver and i guess location doesn't matter for this story both of these places there was so much more representation on all of the competition stages than i think we've ever seen and that's for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest reason is what y'all just said is people have started seeing people that identify and look like them and they're like, wait, maybe this space could be for me. Maybe I am allowed here. Maybe my story wants to be heard or should be heard or needs to be heard. And, and, and like, for that, I'm so grateful of people taking risks and telling their stories and just really stepping into those spaces and taking them up. Um, totally. I guess like one last serious question before we get into the fun questions about competition. Um, since, since we have started in, you know, or since you have started in Glitter Cat, um, what can the specialty coffee industry continue to do in terms of being better and creating these more diverse and inclusive and equitable spaces? 
so I might get a lot of um, fire for this, but we love it. Weighted lotteries are not weighted. <laughs> <laughs> weighted lotteries are not the answer. that is um i oh okay so i have a lot of reasons for saying that but first of all almost none of the competitions build up um in their uh, specific to competition space um all almost none of the competitions fully filled up with a full competition roster except for that of brewers cup which they had a really small um number of available competitors for qualifiers but the diversity we are seeing on those competition stages are not because of the weighted lottery system. And I don't think it's fair to have someone have to identify a lot of all of their marginalizations before they get access to a spot to hopefully get a spot. Maybe just open up more spots or find ways to make the competitions more accessible in decreasing the cost of entrance or changing the rules to not glorify $100 a pound coffees mm -hmm. or shifting the idea of what professionalism is to maybe not include just all these like white heteronormative cis white male ideas of what professionalism is. And so those are all like very competition specific answers, but I think they can be extrapolated to the larger coffee industry where if you want to see change in your cafe, if your cafe is all straight people, think about why queer people don't feel safe applying there or why you're actively not hiring queer people. Or if you, and I think that's something like those con those concepts are things that you have to sit with and you'd be like, well, you know, queer people, I'm speaking like strictly from kind of like my space as a queer person. So like if queer people aren't applying to your cafe, which you want more queer people, I'm putting like air quotes up so many times in this conversation. Um, <laughs> the issue is probably not that there's no queer people around you. I listened to a podcast once where it was like, if Beyonce can find 100 black violinists, you can find two black baristas, <laughs> yes. like just period. <laughs> And it's thinking about what in your job descriptions is leaning people to not apply. What about your cafe experience, your cafe space, the way you provide customer experience, the way that you treat your employees, the way that you manage kind of staff will all have implications on who wants to work for you and who doesn't and who feels safe working for you and who doesn't ultimately when we want like if you want to do better and you're in a position of management or ownership think about what obstacles are preventing you from whatever it is that you want to do better right so if you're running competition there's been a lot of scholarships that have been made available and that's been a huge change. And I like commend the US like chapter and US competitions committee for putting in the work to make those available. And like to really kind of like, they're also pushing back against a larger organization that's throwing budget constraints at them and making 
every move difficult and, and feeling impossible. And like, yeah, there's no live streaming of competitions, but that's not because the US chapter is like, well, we don't need them or it's too much work. It's, you know, it's budgets that are handed down to them. And so I think there, there's layers and layers and layers of all of this, but there are things that they can be doing and they're doing scholarships and they're trying to make the competitions more accessible. And I really, like, I just want to be clear that like, I commend those, those people for that. And most of them are volunteers and they're putting so much work in. And when you see them at a competition, please like give them an air five and like just congratulate them and thank them for making these events possible. Amazing. So speaking of competitions, you have returned to competing this year. Will you tell us about making that decision? <laughs> I did. In 2019, I said, I'm retired. She's retired. She's going to coach. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's done. Um, and so the decision came. Um, so I started transitioning, um, in February of 2021. So it's been just over two years. And um, when competitions opened this year for the full season, so full season, I mean, like, including, uh, like, all of the competition levels, um, I sat with how I wanted to engage in the co in, in the coffee space. And I realized that Veronica has never stood on the competition stage. Mm -hmm. And I think it is so important now, ever, for always, every fucking damn minute of the <laughs> fucking day, we need trans visibility. Yes. And we need trans joy. And we need trans stories and our stories aren't just these like sad moments where we're kept out of spaces or murdered for being mm -hmm. who we are it's it's our joy <laughs> it's the joy that we get to live as the most beautiful and fabulous human beings on this planet and that is why I decided to come back um, uh, that's why I decided to come back <laughs> because I wanted to just I, I, I am a fierce fabulous trans woman and I am weird as fuck <laughs> and I wanted to just be just be visible and be myself and let me tell you this competition season has been the most fun i am a completely different person because i'm living my story authentically mm -hmm. and just representing myself 
even more fully than I thought like ever possible. Like I wore this literal like rhinestone bedazzled gold jumpsuit <laughs> that accentuated my ass so well yes. and it was very purposeful <laughs> on this competition stage with this apron with this giant black cat looking up at me. Uh, my cat just passed away and he, the inspiration for Glitter Cat just passed away. Um, and that, that's Axel, that's Axel a cat, but I wanted him just, mm. A legend, the legend. And I, I, if I may, I was talking to my best, like my best friend and um, someone who's been a part of my competitions for like the last like three or four years I've competed. And in 2018 and 2019, when I competed, it was as stressful. Veronica was um, stressful. <laughs> let's put it that way <laughs> um and i told them when um like getting ready for this competition in denver i was like kelsey i'm having so much fun i am having more fun than i've ever had and i think you're gonna really enjoy being around me and they're like okay i believe you i believe you i also don't know how like when stressful Veronica comes out, how's it happen? <laughs> and so in Denver, I am I'm ironing my towels because you have to iron towels before competition or you get marked <laughs> off on it apparently. Um, and I am like making jokes. I am laughing. It's the night before I'm supposed to compete. I had to be up at like six thirty in the morning, and I'm just like having the time of my life. And my best friend looks at me and goes, Veronica, it is such a pleasure to just be around you in this space and see like the growth that you have. Like, I'm not stressed out. Like, I feel like you should be more stressed out. <laughs> and it's just like the biggest changes, like the, the growth that I've had personally in the last, you know, four years has been immense. And a lot of that I tie back to my transition to having to really take a look introspectively at who I am and how I engage with the world and how I engage with myself and how can I do that with way more kindness and understanding with the same ferocity as I've always had. And being trans is a gift and it's a gift that I want to share with the world and with my trans family and my trans community. And to show people that like trans people not only deserve these spaces, like we make these spaces. Mm -hmm. These are our spaces. And and they're your spaces too. And there's no reason why we can't all just be in these in these in these spaces. So that's why I came back because I I, I, I had a story to tell. Yeah. I had a vision that I wanted to share with the coffee industry. And I wanted to just I wanted to be visible for myself to show myself the growth that I felt I had experienced to prove to myself that I had grown into this powerful woman that I thought I had and that I knew I had. And then secondarily to for people to see trans representation on stages. And third, I want to win. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> I might not. There's only one winner every year, but do you know what? I'm going to try my damnedest, and so are 36 other people. So do you know what? Whoever wins this year, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. It might be myself. Good luck. Yes. 
Amazing. Period. (laughs) And I cannot wait to see you on stage. Yes, same. Well, before we leave, we have one more thing we want to do. And it is our game, Sip, Dump, Chug, where... We will ask you various three different types of sets of things, and you get to tell us whether you would like to sip it, chug it, or dump it. Yeah. All right. The first one. Well, we're, we're playing with fire here as a queer trans woman, sip, dumping, and chugging. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> we were like, okay, who should play what game? And we're like, Veronica's going to love sip, dump, chug. Let's do it. <laughs> so we knew what we were doing. All right, so the first one is, uh, like we said, is going to be some competition-related stuff. So uh, the espresso course, the milk beverage course, and the specialty drink. Okay, so I would dump specialty drinks. Uh, Sorry. I would sip those freeze distilled little milk bevies and probably spit them out so the sip and spit if you will and (laughs) chug the espresso nice yeah specialty drinks it's a nice idea but because they have to be espresso (laughs) forward it's like it's not really balanced it's not the most fun no right give me an iced mocha any day truly or you know like i love a specialty drink at a cafe like mm-hmm. doing no rules yes. just get to do whatever you want but mm-hmm. the rules really mess with it yes all right do you want to do the next one Brian? yes the second set compete judge and coach aha this was like unfair <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm dumping judging right away that's a like if I ever judge, bring me back on the podcast and call me out on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I am going to chug coaching. It's my favorite space to be. I love, I love, love, love coaching. and can see myself doing that for years to come. And I'm just going to sip, give a little sip, sip a rune to, to the competition sphere and see, see how I feel about it. Just Amazing. dip my toes back in. It's a sipping year. All right, last. But she's chugging at training. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. We've got Brewers, Barista, and Sigs. Coffee and Good Spirits for okay, those of so you who are new to this. Uh, a huge dump on Brewers. I am not skilled enough in coffee to do that. <laughs> Y'all can keep it. Keep your your winning by point zero zero one points. That's not for me. I I like point spreads. I don't I don't like particle distribution. I proves who I don't know. Uh, I am I'm gonna sip the barista competition. You know just just you know always keep it a part of my life. Let me a little side piece if you will. And. You know, a girl loves tequila, and tequila is the sponsored spirit for um, coffee and good spirits this year for nationals. So I'll be doing Ooh. shots. I'll be I'll be chugging. I'll be chugging right along with those good spiriters. Amazing! I'll see you there. I didn't know it was tequila this year. That's fair. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you, but a week before competition, I figured, who cares? People <laughs> will know by then, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say who the sponsor was, so. Yeah. Amazing. Just tequila. It's great. 
tequila, big no, tequila. Pumpkin Good Spirits is like, Pumpkin Good Spirits is like the best competition out of all of them. I come, love. Come at me with it. You put up on competition to like learn more about too, because like, I'm not a six competitor, but I've run six boot camps, so I just get to like taste all the things that they learn, and I'm like, ooh, that's fun. Yeah, mm, education. Yeah, amazing. Always. Well. That's it. We did it. Thank you so much for joining us, Veronica. Such a pleasure. Of course. It's been so wonderful talking to y'all for the last, I don't even know how long we've been on this call. Uh, but it, like, thank you so much for, for sharing your space with me. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. We appreciate you. Yeah, and we'll see you uh, in Portland. Yes. See you in Portland. Thank you again to Veronica for sharing her story, giving us a little sparkle, and things to continue to discuss and consider when we're creating spaces for inclusivity. We'll catch you all again on the next one. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week to talk more coffee with you all. Until then, continue to drink good coffee. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and keep up with us on Instagram at totally dissolve pod send us questions or thoughts in the dms or email us at totally dissolve pod at gmail.com bye, bye for, for now, now.